Frederick County isn't just known for its football, it's known for its very good soccer as well on both the boys' and the girls' sides. One of the teams looking to make a name for itself and make a run at a state championship this season is the TJ Boys Soccer Team, uh, the Thomas Johnson Boys Soccer Team. The Patriots are off to a 4-2 start, 1-0 in the Central Maryland Conference, and their coach, uh, Jim Regal. Uh, I'm pleased to have him on the Final Score Podcast with me, Greg Swatek, this week. Welcome, Coach. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us over. Uh, what do you What do you make of your group so far? I know we're at an early juncture of the season, but but what have What do you What have you learned through six games? I have a young group. Um, there's probably about three, four kids that contributed the last two, three years. Um, but we have a lot of juniors up with us this year who were on the JV team, so they're working their way into the varsity matches, working into the style of play at the high school level um, with their competitive side. And we opened up with a pretty strong week last week, seeing uh, Mitch and Oakdale, the defending 2A champions last week. Yeah, what, what sort of test what, what was that for, for you guys? <laughs> a pretty aggressive test. Um, boys had to handle the emotions. Um, it's the first regular season game. Uh, we opened up pretty well with the tournament. Um, but for regular season and the regional seating, we were hoping to come up with a better result than that. Um, but Mitch's boys definitely put us under the gun pretty heavy, and I think some emotions kicked in, uh, resulting in three penalty kicks that they, uh, they reaped the benefit of over time. But uh, how, do you, how do you react to that three penalty kicks? Was, was, that, was that something you weren't – I mean, you never want to see it, but, but, uh, <laughs> but were they just flow of the game, just they happened, or were they, were they sort of dumb um, – Dumb mistakes on, on, on the part of some of your kids, or, or what, what, what happened with the penalty kicks? Uh, the referee, the center was within 10 yards of all three of them, so you can't really argue from that end. I think emotions came into play. Yeah. Um, the first one uh, was a defensive ride, caught uh, our defender a little off, lost his balance. The second defender came through and, and clicked, clipped Riley, I believe. Um, obviously, that was number one. Uh, then we, we found a way to equalize. And then uh, a mishap by the keeper, a little melee inside the six, player end up on the ground, happened to be on the goal line. Oakdale struck the ball well, caught his hand. He's the last man on the, uh, the goal line. He's got to get booked. So it makes it to one opportunity right there. We regroup at halftime, playing a man down going into the second half. Um, I think we went about 15 minutes um, possessing and, and trying to find ways of countering and and with, with holding the storm that they were throwing at us. And uh, one of our players just happened to be on the ground in a challenge. I think uh, Oakdale posi player positioned himself over top, caught the legs, and there it is. That's the third penalty opportunity right there. So it's big up 3-1. We, uh, we continue to fight back. We earn the opportunity uh, to, to have a penalty kick also. So it's the fourth penalty in the game. And is I've never seen that. Is this the product of sloppy, sloppy early season play or just, just getting into the season? I mean, it's a very early game in the season, obviously, and you get not all these teams have their feet under them yet. So, Yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's just the emotional side of it. It's the first game um, that counts towards, towards the regional play. And um, we were very fortunate last year, put together a good match against Oakdale, um, and we're able to uh, earn a, a one nothing victory last year. I think – that played into our mindset for sure, saying we could handle playing with them. And then we dug ourselves a hole. Um, but then, you know, again, their goalkeeper made a great save on a penalty on our end. And uh, we kept fighting back and forth. Um, 
and we earned something late in, late in the game to, to make it 3-2 um, that particular day. I think the right team found a way to get a W that day. Unfortunately, we fell short. I would have loved the draw. Right. So how do you feel after a game like that? I mean, you're right there with, with, the, with, the, with the 2A um, champs, but at the same time, some mistakes co- cost you too. Well, it's the first game. Yeah. So you see day one, this is where we are. Some of the things could be rectified, a little better defensive positioning, a um, little bit better awareness, uh, maybe the emotions, um, circumstances. So if we were to find ourselves matched up again at the end of the season, you know, it, it's 12 games in. Are we going to make the same mistakes? I certainly would hope not. Over an eight-week period, you would hope there's improvement, um, knowing they'll have improvement as well. But a lot of things got the stars got aligned perfectly for that to happen. Being in two different divisions, um, the only way I think we would even see each other would be if we were both earn our way into the CMC championship game. Right, and that's the only option that would happen for this year. Yeah. Um, do you like to have a game like that so early in the season? I mean, how, how do you feel about facing a team like Oakdale in like one of your first games of the season? I think it's a good challenge. Okay. Yeah, um, it, 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 I ask because people feel differently about it. Some coaches would rather have the early test to see where you guys are. Some coaches would rather get their feet under, have the team get its feet under itself and, and sort of ease into the season a little more before you face a test like that. Just I just was curious how you felt about facing a high-caliber test like that right, right off the bat. Again, we're not in the same division yeah. or classification, so I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a very difficult task right off the hand, but – it opens the door, and it, it opens the door for a challenge to help motivate, help uh, the coaching staff assess where we are skill set-wise. I'd much rather play solid programs, well-coached programs, deep programs early in the season than have a weaker or lesser opponent and get like two or three games on your belt and get a false sense of security. We were challenged. We met the challenge. And it was a great result when it does that. And we, play, and we played man down for 40 minutes. So I, my hat's off to my boys for that one. Yeah. Um, I think Mitch was able to see what he needed to continue to work on going forward for his guys to be able to uh, to do some repeat and set them up well for the 2A classification and some of the other challenges. Because if I remember correctly, I believe he turned around on Thursday and played Urbana and held a 3 nothing victory that day. So, I mean, that's a difficult task for him as well. Yeah, I want to get into you in, a, in a few minutes here, just the quality of, of soccer in this county and, and, and how that helps you and, and, and stuff like that, especially uh, come playoff time. How, how would you describe the group you have this season? What, what, if someone said, hey, coach, tell me about your team, what, what, would, you, what would you say? When, in the selection process in August during the preseason and so forth, uh, my staff and I, we took time, uh, evaluated our players that came out for the team, and knowing the age of a lot of our players, all things considered equal, we stand 16, the chance for 16 players coming back next year if they remain in our feeder system and um, don't transfer out or relocate. Um, we have a pretty uh, diversified team. We have several EL students um, that are new to the building within the last six to eight months. Uh, we have some players that have been playing together probably for almost 10 years. So it's like a very interesting blending of a high school setting in particular. Um, our nucleus definitely comes down to the boys that have been playing together for long, the, the longer period of time. 
but they've been very open armed and embracing our new students, whether they're there are um, English English language language learners, or if it's our um, someone moving into the area based upon military relocation and so forth, or just job transfers. Um, so we we end up choosing to go with eighteen players, and we have sixteen field players and and two um, goalkeepers, with some players in JV that could be brought up if uh, injuries were to occur. Um, they're doing quite well at the JV level, but it's about development. So I don't want to, I'm going to keep the younger guys down, let them start developing that same camaraderie and chemistry at the JV level, and let this nucleus of boys continue to build on what they've been doing for the last five, six years um, at the middle school and, and the club level and so forth. What would you say the strengths of the team are? Strengths of the team, I would say, is their willingness to, to adapt to whatever being asked of them. Like Sean Weiland has jumped to two or three different positions for us. Carson's played two or three different roles for us. Um, Ryan Barkdell has popped out wide. He's been a center back. Um, I've put Melvin Lopez both as an outside midfielder, center midfielder, a, an attacking center midfielder. And, and they're just the, a core of the group that all of them have bumped around. Like last night, we played a young man who I had been playing um, as, a, as a reserve outside midfielder, and we popped him up top. And he was able to put some quality opportunities on cage from six, seven, eight yards out when we were up at North Hagerstown last night. And he kept telling me, Coach, I can play up front. I can play in a central role. Please don't always put me out wide. So it was the perfect opportunity to try it last night. And, and he struck some balls well. I think if the defenders weren't there, they're on cage, if not in the back of the net. Um, and that's what these boys are doing. They're all trying to fight to get more and more playing time. But they also understand if it doesn't happen that day, there's a reason for it. They're willing to come and talk to me about it, um, try to try to improve their situation and or how can they contribute a little bit better um, and get a little bit more time because players want to play. But there's only 11 players who can touch the field at a time. So we got that cycle going, and it's about continuity. Um, and that's one of the things I learned back from the Oakdale game. I think we didn't sub the last 26 minutes when we were a man down. So the boys are in shape, but they also finally got into chemistry in a, in a very tough situation, and they just continue to play. Um, and you just let that kind of ride a little bit. Now the temperatures are coming down. You got a little nice fall weather coming. It makes it a little easier. You don't have to worry about them getting tanked as easily. Right. What's the personality of the team? Is it a loose, outgoing group, or are they more reserved and, and, and quiet? Just ha what are these guys like on a day to day basis? They're characters. They're, they're, uh, we had to have that conversation last night during pregame. Um, I like to give them a little bit of their space, definitely during pregame. Because if I'm there, it starts to jam like my my energy up a little bit because they're not focused. It doesn't come across. We all have our own ways of prepping for a game, um, but like last night, they're doing dynamic stretching and they're they're just horseplay. They're just giggling, laughing with each other, horseplay and back and forth to the point that I look at my assistant and I'm like, we've got to reel this in because I don't know how we can go out there for our first conference match. Um, so we had about a five minute discussion during pregame about like boys, there's a time and a place for everything. Yeah, let me let me stop you right there. Is that a really fine line you're walking there? Because you want the kids to be themselves, but at the same time, you gotta keep keep. You can't let things spiral out of control uh, either. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like as a former goalkeeper, I know I needed to stay focused, to, to, looking at the shots, preparation for the game. Um, but then, like a striker 
can easily, well, they're going to get their, their warm up. They're going to get some balls in cage and they're going to a little bit more playful about some stuff. Um, I wanted them to respect each other. So if they, they know the goalkeeper needs to get a little bit more centered, they have to stay away from him a little bit or our defensive players. And I think that contributed back to the question earlier with the Oakdale game. Five minutes into a game, you get a penalty. Just that lack of focus. Yeah. It could have easily been that. It's okay at the beginning of the season, but when we're all trying to achieve a championship status, it's got to be honed in come middle of October, if not earlier than that. Right, but but it's a tricky balancing act, right? Because Because oh, you, you don't want to stifle the kids in their creativity and their imagination either. Correct, correct. So what we've said with last night is like trying to find that, that line. If it's dynamic stretching that they want to be playful about, then they're going to have to come down and do it 10 minutes earlier. But we were using the visual, since we were in a away match, the visual of the clock, we could see it. So 35 minutes went on the clock for the second half of the JV, and we're like, okay, we're going into our ball work, we're going into our possession. You've got to lock it in right now, and you got a zone. And um, if they can find that that fine tune, and they, they executed quite well last night. So... Yeah, I was going to ask, how do you think they'll respond to that? Do you think they'll come down ten minutes earlier and get and, and, and mix in some 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 of the normal horseplay, or, or do you do you, do you think they'll uh, maybe lock in with the focus a little a little sooner in, in, in a normal warm up period? Well, with the six with sixteen year old kids, you're hoping somebody steps up, yeah, and takes a little leadership themselves, right? Um, and they're going to have to to hone in a little bit. I mean, that, that was a challenge the coaches game last night. There's no if and or buts about that one. Like, to get mentally prepared, there's that fine line between the rights that you have and the rights of your teammates. When you start having your rights and Pete on their right to prepare the way they want to, you got to find that happy balance. Um, and we've, we've opened the door for them to wear their own um, earbuds, to listen and prep that way. Every one of us has our own motivation with the music or um, – calming tone you know whatever it works for them i'm fine with that as long as they can start focusing in and, and get on a task at hand um when we touched the field last night they were locked in so they responded quite well um it wasn't a yelling situation it was more of like let's take a minute let's talk lower just like a classroom <laughs> just talk that a little quieter see if you can get them to focus on your voice and then just challenge them a little bit and they responded um now it was an away match I think we have the ability of being at home, have a team room. That's where I would expect, in my mind, in the team room, you can be a little more jovial, a little more playful about some things. And when we walk that threshold going out to hit the uh, practice area, TJ, that's when I want to see them lock in and and zone in on that piece. And definitely by the time they walk into the stadium for the game time. Yeah, I mean, we live in a social media world where everyone has an outlet to express themselves. That that can make life a little more challenging for coaches and uh, parents alike. Do you, do you have a policy when it comes to your players in social media, or, or do you have do you have to talk to them about that, or just how how do you sort of address all the ways they could communicate in this day and age? Well, the social media piece I bring into play is the fact that we're not even looking at it as a team now. We're looking at it what their future might hold. We have kids that are looking to go to college, go to military, go right into the workforce right away. Employment and college opportunities, there's people employed now to search records. And I had this conversation when I was coaching collegiately um, about that 10 years ago, and things definitely have seemed to progress even further into looking at it. We can look at our professional athletes who have been drawn into the media in regards to some of their their things. 
you talk about constructive possession, you know, like whether you were or weren't there. Um, so we talk about the fact that the social media piece puts you almost as if you were there. It you're, represents you're, you're you. You're creating a record for yourself. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. A, a digital record that you can't really erase. Right. Some way you'll have a resource to and get even it back if you up. deleted it later, there's a, there's a screenshot of it somewhere Correct. existing. Right. Does that, does that make your job more difficult, do you think? or um... I think it just makes the, the their parents, their coaches, their teachers, their administrators, I think the job is more difficult across the board because it doesn't really stop. Yeah. Where 25, 30 years ago when I was playing, it, it was a he said, she said kind of thing. There was no documentation going on. Um, so I think it's definitely uh, a policy that has to be visited constantly. Um, I know at TJ, we've done a pretty good job trying to link all of our programs together and looking at the policies so there's consistency between a fall sport, a spring sport, winter sport, or even two coaches in the same season um, from that perspective. And hopefully the continuity will get the, the student body, the student athletes to kind of blend together and ultimately start policing themselves a little bit as well. Sure. Uh, we're talking to Jim Regal, the Thomas Johnson uh, boys soccer coach here on the Final Score podcast. I, w- I want to ask you about a couple of your players. Uh, your leading scorer right now is Carson Grove. Tell us about uh, Carson. Carson's played with us for three years, uh, came up as a freshman, and has contributed significantly all three years. And he's off to a, a really hot start right now. Um, he's becoming a a hungry player who wants to take the responsibility of goal scoring. But last night is a prime example where he fed a ball to a player in the box instead of taking a shot that would have given him a legitimate opportunity to score um, a potential hat trick in, in the first half of our game. And even when I talked to him coming off the field, I was like, could you have pulled the trigger? I think so, but I just saw Pablo alone, so I just wanted to reward him making that run. And it was just a delay too long that – he was the Pablo ended up being caught off sides, but he's looking at sharing the wealth a little bit. Um, but he's definitely going to be somebody that we're going to have to rely upon, especially in tight matches. Um, he's been able to bounce through a, a striker role, a midfield role. Like we played him outside midfield last night for probably two to three quarters of the game. He popped into the center midfield when we had to make a blow for one of our starting players. Um, and I think it just gives him a chance to re-energize himself, seeing a different aspect of the game. Um, but even though he wants to find a home, but he was finding space. We were fortunate to play in a 75-yard field last night, so I think there's a lot of space to be found. Yeah. What's his personality like? He's playful. Yeah. He's playful. Um, but there is that moment where you can see that fire in his eyes, too. Um, and that's where he's one of my guys that I'm working with to try to get him to understand like when that balance is to, to hone in, lock it. But he's one I think is a classic example we were discussing earlier. He has to have that freedom. He just has to understand. That's that's who he is. Correct. And he also has to understand that not every one of his teammates had that maturation to be able to be playful and turn a light switch on and off. He is one that is capable. As soon as that that whistle went, I mean, he was going to town. And he was challenging whether he was attacking their outside backs or outside midfielder or even when he got to the center of the midfield, there was no change of pace. He was trying to achieve – domination on his role possession distributing and attacking going forward with it so um 
he uh, is definitely one piece. We just would love to see him by the time he's a senior to achieve a leadership status, putting a captain's band on with Sean, um, him and Ryan Barkle as well. Uh, yeah, tell us about uh, Sean, uh, Sean uh, Wyland. Sean is our, our speaking captain. He has been a defensive center midfielder for the first two years for us. He has been that this year, and we've popped him back in a center back role now um, to help with some injuries and some fatigue and so forth um, over the games. And he's been the starting center, center back for the last two games, and he's definitely helped anchor that role that's given Alex and goal a chance to, to secure a shutout for us, um, for sure. Sean's vocal. Um, he's cerebral, so he sees the game like a free safety would and and be very deliberate with some of the things. Um, he has a different personality. Like I said, he, he will hone in a little bit more, dial in a little bit sooner than some of the other players. Um, which, again, we're back to that, that character. Like the, Each one of these guys brings something to the table and you just hope at the end their puzzle piece puts together that that vision as you see as a coach. Um, some of them are going to be straight edged on the border, <laughs> and some of them are going to be those crazy multi-angled pieces that sit in the middle that have all those colors to them. You're like, I know it's sitting there somewhere, but where can I get it? Can I get that done right away, or do I have to let the let the vision and the puzzle come together, and then I can pop them in? Um, Sean's willing to be that more straight edged, more universal piece. And he sacrificed because he doesn't want to be in the back, I don't believe. Right. But he sacrifices what he would like for the benefit of the team. Yeah. Oftentimes, you see captains on soccer teams. They're the best offensive player. They're the leading scorer and stuff. It's interesting on your on your squad that the captain is a defensive player. He's, he's, he's a center back. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe part of it is my history with being a goalkeeper. Um, yeah. To me, like a, a goalkeeper, a center back, or like a DCM can be that vocal piece to hold together. I mean, I think the, the, the adage we all sit there and say defense wins championships, but we know we got to score goals as well or score offensively. Um, I think if we can keep keep balls out of the back of the net, we have the characters up front to be able to provide those resources. Um, I would love to have a little bit of balancing act. You know, your center back or your defensive key player and an attacking key player, both of them being vocal captains on the team. Um, captains for the for their officials to work with, and your opponent's going to respect what's going on. But it, there's a lot more than just simply the best player. It's like are they the right player? Uh, sure. To lead yeah. lead Ab sixteen absolutely. peers. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned you have uh, two goalkeepers. Uh, they're they're both juniors. Correct. Um, uh, Alex Reed. He's he's your starter. He gets the majority starter, of yep. your minutes. But you also have uh, Julian Molter. Mm -hmm. uh, well, what's the dynamic like between those kids, knowing they're both? Roughly the same age and in, in, in the same grade. The dynamics, it's a healthy competition um, for sure. We're fortunate with um, Coach Bowler, uh, who is one of our um, FOT teachers, computer tech teachers at school. I, our paths crossed probably 15 years ago. And when he came to TJ last year, um, we reached out to each other and he was able to join my staff and Adam's staff as a goalkeeper coach, which helped specialize. A specific position in particular. Yeah, so, so working out with the boys and the girls. Yes, yep, with Adam he'll take them about thirty yeah. to forty minutes, um, three days a week. Uh, he'll catch our home games. So I believe last night he probably caught Adam's girls last night at um, at TJ. Right. And hopefully next week we'll probably see him because we have two home games next week. Um, so he's be able. He he's able to kind of give us some feedback of who's kind of earning the the, the nod right now, um, and so forth. 
both of them are, are um, different types of players. I mean, that, that's that's one of them's more. I have a Alex brings a little more athleticism. He's a three-sport athlete at TJ. Uh, Julian is a goalkeeper, um, trained, um, does very well. But Alex, just that that one little piece, just keeps knocking him over. Um, you know, when I, I same thing I experienced when I went from my my career. I've seen I've been a starter and I've been the reserve guy behind behind a scholarship player. So I can empathize with where Julian feels right now. He talks to me on a regular basis. Yeah, how do you keep him engaged? The same way I had to keep, train myself to be engaged. Um, you become part of the game. You, you hopefully, uh, as a reserve keeper, you sit there and you take in the, the nuances. Um, I actually challenge all my, my players on the bench to, take, to pay attention to what's going on. Yeah, because they, they might have to jump right in the game, and there's no time to catch, catch up to the speed of the game. Co correct. Uh, an unfortunate piece in our game in particular, the reserves don't have the same luxury as your starters. The starters have probably five, ten minutes to get the flow going, and all of a sudden the reserves called upon for either natural um, rotation or for an injury or just fatigue, and they have to get back in there right off the bat. And they have to know the tempo. They have to know the tactical approach of what their opponent's been doing. Maybe what they've been watching has shifted. And once they're out there live, it's a little bit different. Um, and that's what Julian, you know, back to the goalkeeper side, that's what he's paying attention to. That's what we're talking to him with. I know Coach uh, Bowler will sit there and talk to him throughout the game, talk about scenarios, especially if it's a learning opportunity. If Alex handles something in the box a little bit different than would be technically correct, He's over in Julian's ear, talking him up a little bit. So, okay, right here, we want to get this. This is what coach was talking about. We want to keep them out of the 12. We want to hold them higher in the 18 and, and so forth. So, um, Julian's been very receptive to it, but he's not giving up. And like I said, he pretty much two, three times a week just wants to know what can I do to contribute, how can I contribute better, um, how I can get maybe get a nod. Um, but when you put two clean sheets together this week, it's, it's tough to, to change that continuity at this point no doubt about it who's an unsung hero on your team a kid that doesn't get a lot of recognition is not talked about a lot but but really is a really valuable part of your team shows up every day does his job and and, and you wouldn't be the same team without him last night would be mac mac mckeever mac has played outside back for us all season um we made a tactical adjustment last night which had him sitting uh, as a reserve player last night and he has been starting every game, I think even our um, scrimmages. So it caught him off guard, but he was very receptive to our discussion we had the first five minutes of the game, explaining what was going on. Um, and he ended up finishing the game off for the last 10, 15 minutes as an outside midfielder and then popped in for, um, for Luis, who ended up taking a knee-to-knee -knee contact um, the late 10 minutes of the game. So he was able to slide right in that role that he has been playing, even though we made a tactical decision as a staff to shift it up a little bit. So Max done a really good job with it. Um, from that end, he's a he's a leader, um, and he's one of the ones in our dynamic stretching that tries to stay get the boys focused. Um, he carries his track conditioning over. Same with Alex Lombardo. Both of them do middle distance and uh, for our indoor outdoor programs. I think they both have contributed with the uh, relay teams. Um, I think and those soccer players could run. So, yeah, these yeah. boys, these boys can definitely be rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. they were doing five oh five uh, mile times for us, and they're like, "Well, that's still not my best." And I'm like, "It's good enough for me today." Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, that's another piece. These boys all are competitive. So of our group of eighteen players, 
I think 15 of the 18 were at 6.15 or less than our mile times. And it wasn't just one time. It was consistently when we've done this. Do you do, a running, you do a running test to start the season? We'll throw it, throw it in there about two or three days in and just to kind of see where they are. And then we'll try it again about um, middle of a, a, a scrimmage week just to kind of go, okay, where are we at with some things? Some well, you have run like three miles or so? Or, uh... Uh, to me, I just have provided the, the kids with workouts Start it should start around middle of June, and if they follow week to week, this is where they should be coming into preseason. And you can't really cheat that way, right? Whereas in the past years, at uh, different places, we would do a mile time, or we would do a mile and a half, or we would do a two mile. And I've learned either as an assistant under a coach, or even as a head coach, seldom do you ever end up cutting a kid because they couldn't do X, Y, or Z, right? You use it as part of your decision process, but if if you're not going to use that as a final piece of the puzzle, what's the point? What's the point? Right. Just like test the classroom, like if we're assessing. So I use my conditioning as an assessment as where as the group. Where are we? If we're all at an eight minute mile, we got to incorporate a lot more conditioning into our sessions than ball work. But when I got a group of kids coming in that are running a six fifteen mile or less. We could do a lot more ball work and challenge them the condition in the ball work, than work with a stopwatch. So, so this group, because obviously you can tell if this group has been doing their workouts or not. So, yeah. obvi- so this group is pretty the, good about this, following this what group, you lay out for them. They, I will say, this group was very good coming in in shape. Whether they followed my protocol or whether They're their they, own, yeah, or their own, it doesn't matter. They came in, they were in good shape. Yeah, um, and it was nice to see them meet the expectation and hold each other accountable to it. Um, that was the other piece of the puzzle, is it wasn't the coaches barking at them, it was subtly in the, the shadows. We have a chance to do something this year. Right, right. and yeah. they're, they're pushing each other to, to hit the mile times or hit their, their track times, not to drop off. Um, and when there's not a radical difference between our 16th player and our eighth player, it's quickly easy to to shift or transition real quick and say we're gonna make a substitution change, and next man up. Maybe you lost your starting role, or maybe you lost your role in the the team that particular game or that particular week. Right. Um, and that's what's fortunate with this group. When we went through the rostering process, we tried to sit there and get versatile players that aren't gonna be fixed into one spot, and we we can be creative. Right. with um, our decisions and stuff throughout games. Right. Once the season starts, how do you balance the workout piece? Because you, you, you don't want to push the kids too hard. You have to keep them fresh for games, but you don't want them getting out of shape uh, either. So, so how do you sort of juggle that? I think a lot of it depends on what our games that week brought to the table. Like we go back to last week, playing a man down for 40 minutes. A lot of running. A lot of running. So you, you have to be a little bit more intelligent about what's going on. If you were able to put together – two games that you could get most of your squad into the match and no one was really physically taxed, then you might have to incorporate a little bit more into your, your training session. Um, usually Mondays are probably going to be – Coming off a weekend. Coming off a weekend, you're going to have a little bit more. Um, if we were to have like a Monday – I think now I think when we play Urbana, it's a Monday-Thursday week. So you figure there's going to be a little bit of extra movement on that Wednesday going to Thursday's game, but you also have to respect the fact for pregame. You got to prep for your next opponent. 
You don't want to um, over push. Um, but again, a lot of these boys are playing club and they're they're involved with outside activities. And so, they're sixteen so year old boys. They're just yeah. playing. They're moving all the time. Right. So it's so, not hard. It's not hard for you. Yeah. I, I don't think so. so. I mean. Right. Um, I think it's also a mindset of the group. I think each team, we all have, probably all, all my colleagues have groups that you might motivate them a little bit differently, or you have groups that are very hungry and intrinsically driven, and um, and they're trying to meet the expectations set out for them. Yep. Talking to uh, TJ Boy soccer coach uh, Jim Regal, how did you become a goal goalkeeper? <laughs> uh, I got started in the game late. I would say probably uh, how old? Uh, probably about 12, 12 okay. years old. 12, yeah. okay. Yeah. Because normally every, everyone's first sport is soccer. I mean, yeah, I don't know. When they're little kids. What, 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 did you play sports growing up, or were you new to sports around? No, I mean, I as a as an elementary school kid, I, mean, I was exposed to your Little League baseball and exposed to basketball. Um, even I think there was some track in there at some point. Um, but I think my younger brother ended up playing soccer because it really wasn't um, – something that was in my wheelhouse when I was younger. And I was like, oh, I'll try it. And I guess my size, the fact that everybody else has already been playing, so they had the foot skills already. They're like, well, I remember you playing basketball. So they took advantage of the hands, being on the low post. <laughs> and we're going to see if we can get you to do some work. And um, it just fell into my lap, really. And I think um, it was just something that I just kind of gravitated to and continued doing it until the body started to say, this isn't feeling so good. And so <laughs> we started playing as a field. And as an adult, I've not gone back into the goal probably since like 92. <laughs> yeah. What's the most thankless part about being a, a goalie? Oh, I think the thankless part is the fact that your, your, your window of opportunity is completely different than the window of opportunity of a striker. You could make, you could face 10 shots and be perfect on nine of those 10 shots and have a hiccup. And it's a bad night. And, and it's one nothing loss. Whereas a striker could have 10 shots, spoon six, seven of them all over the cage, but just struck that one perfect, and they end up being the hero, making it one nothing. And speaking I, of being the hero, like you could play a perfect game. You could make incredible saves, but the guy that scores the goals, they're, they're going to be the ones that are talked about. And, and you sort of fade into the background a little bit is, is, the, is the goalkeeper. Absolutely. Uh, but with goalkeepers, there could be situations where you look at the save percentage after a game, you know, and they have 10 saves, 12 saves, and they're going against a, a strong opponent or even a regionally ranked opponent with some regionally ranked players, and they have a great performance. It builds everybody up, too. Um, it's just accepting that role, kind of a, uh, adapting to what's going on. No. I got to be mentally focused. I got to com command my box, which is why a lot of times in my mind, the goalkeeper ends up being a captain, especially if you don't have that vocal group in front of them. Um, but that's a that's a, that has that requires a mental maturation as well as a physical and athletic side. Um, be able to command the respect of your teammates. Um, but I think it falls right in line too. While your goal scorer sometimes is being your, your pseudo captain because they can take the shoulders. Well. A goalkeeper or a center back would take that shoulder as well. Right. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Most memorable save or most memorable game you ever played as a as a goalie? Ooh, memorable. Well, I would say when I was in JUCO playing Essex, 
Yeah, where, where, tell us where you went to school. Well, I did two years at uh, Catonsville Community College. I did. And you and where, where'd you grow up? Carroll County. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. In the what, Westminster area? Or, uh, Liberty. Uh, it's Liberty. Sykesville. Okay. okay. Yep. I'm a Got Southern it. Carroll okay. County guy. Got it. Okay. So, um, so I'm sorry to interrupt your plan. So okay. you're playing JUCO? Yeah. I playing JUCO. And um, Zach was in goal at Essex. This is my second year at, at the experience at the JUCO level. And he ended up playing for Chicago Fire over a year. He ended up at Loyola and then um, got, got drafted by them and played there. So the, the junior college experience, I think, as a whole, was really an awesome experience because of the number of players that came across. But even Baltimore – um, there are several guys that I played against and made saves against in um, men's leagues that went on and played with either the indoor or professionally speaking. Um, I know when I was in high school, we, we played Oakland Mills, got, got lit up for sure, but um, two of them ended up playing professionally. Um, Junior Armstrong and Desmond um, played, played for that. It was a great experience um, for sure. Um, those are the things that stick in my head on it. Yeah. But the coaching side is really right. the the more challenging about the whole thing, trying to think about not live, relive your glory days, right? but how can you take your experiences and use words and preparation to get that next generation to perform right. and, they, and hopefully perform better than you performed. <laughs> right. Goalies could do something that no one else can on the field. They could, they could use their hands. But but at the same time, it seems like a really physically demanding position. What is the physical toll of, of being a goalkeeper? The physical toll, well, kind of depends on the flow of the game. Yeah. Um, if uh, you've got to be able to challenge in the air, so set pieces, like corners and throw-ins where – if your opponent is working a very um, congested six, you're going to get bumped around like a wide out would be or a tight end would be getting in a football match and game. Um, but it's also that, that constant repetitive training, diving, and you know the ground's solid. I mean, sometimes in the conditions it could be co- not concrete, like, but it's just so hard. Did you ever play on AstroTurf? Had I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I play on some old school carpet. Right. <laughs> and that can definitely leave some abrasions. Yeah, how, did, how did that feel to dive on after a You don't think about ball. it then, but when you hit, the, hit that shower and you got those turf burns, that'll wake you up in a heartbeat. Right. Um, and Jar, jars the ribs a little bit too, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, spend a lot of hydrogen peroxide getting the, uh, the fiber out, and you don't want the infection. And the more you open up, um, and once you get one of those burns, they're there for the season. Right. Um, so the, yeah. the boys are exposed to a little bit better scenarios now than. I was going to say, how, how what is this turf like? This new these turf fields is that is that okay to dive on or uh, yeah? I think I mean it's definitely it's definitely right. cushioned. It's more right. forgiving with the rubberized um, composite in there. Right. Um, but what's the best stuff though? Grass. I I mean the best stuff I've seen is the Bermuda. Yeah, Bermuda grass is is very forgiving. Right. Um, the, the players can get a true touch of the flow of the ball um goalkeepers are not getting anything really crazy right. and radical in regards to a ball coming off the floor different um but the high school setting you, you have the have and have nots for sure did, um, did you ever get show up at a game and say oh my gosh I have to play and dive and roll around on 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 this stuff no no i think i, I think i yeah. look at it more as a coach now where you're like going oh wow Man, we gotta figure out how to get these boys to play on this and not use it as an excuse, right? Um, you know, and I mean, 
and that's the part that's really challenging. But you like and, to see the grass, the grass fields as a player, see, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but that requires a lot, a lot of funding to to oh, give sure. it correctly. Sure, um, and it, it has a has its impact for from the greater scheme of things. I mean. We were talking last night when I was up in North Hagerstown about different high school fields in Washington County and Carroll County and Frederick and so forth. So I do enjoy the consistency of our turf facilities that we're facing now. Yeah. And we're about to get some new fields too with, with FC Frederick uh, out in Mount Airy out, out towards the, the Carroll County line. So, 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 so that, that should be great for Frederick County soccer uh, too. So. Absolutely. And I think it's going to help uh, with what FC Frederick's been doing with the development side. Their touches, the boys that are playing, playing with, you can see who's been involved with the club organization for years between their philosophy moving up from the younger ages all the way up into the high school side. Um, there, there's a clear um, evident ability of seeing who is getting trained to handle the touch, handle the, the passing, the, the individual work. Um, because the turf speeds the game up, doesn't it? It speeds it up, but it's a true, it's a true surface. There's, you're not going to get any kind of hidden – um, undulations Bounces. and so forth in there. I mean, right. it's flat. I mean, it's flat yeah. going as far as you can see, whereas you could have grass, and then underneath that grass, it looks nice and thick and lush, and then all of a sudden there might be like this little rock that's underneath the soil that you can't see that just creates just enough of a bump. Or between some of the clumps of grass that just aren't as smooth, pops it up, or the thick. Did I you mean, ever fall victim to a, to a bad piece of grass and a ball skipped? past your bounce past you as a keeper that you weren't in a, in a way you weren't expecting i'm sure i could say that i probably would say is more likely i had a loss of mental focus to be honest yeah, with you. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but i have witnessed um goalkeepers and scouts and stuff where they misplayed especially on a, the old turf the old ash turf where it does take a, a skip totally different and it, and it actually advanced the team into um the national tournament at the, the division three level this is probably about 20 years ago um it hit and it just the, the keeper was playing the ball like he read it and all of a sudden it caught like a and it just kicked almost 70 degree angle wrap up i mean and he was helpless because he was already committed to the original dive and it dropped and caught just dead up so you feel bad for those situations because that really really comes down to is you're trying to feel it read the shot read the uh, opportunity and the surface completely influenced the, the traditional skip that you train and have. Given your late start as a player, did you achieve more than you thought you might in, <laughs> in, in soccer? I, I guess. I mean, I definitely would say based upon our modern group of kids, I would say for sure. Um, but in the in the 80s, I don't think the, the club access was there to the same level. So I don't think it was as much of a commitment across the board um but i mean when you started playing soccer did you ever think you'd be playing college soccer and, and stuff like that i mean uh I, I, I bet you went further than you than you thought you were going to when you when you started on this uh voyage here yeah um i would say yes for that perspective but then once the high school seasons started going and and I acclimated to the, the high school game and and so forth and and was received accolations for my skill set I changed my thought process quickly because you start once you start getting recognized in all area and, and all state, you feel you can do, you know, more than what you may have expected, right. and um, that's one of those lessons you're trying to teach the boys now. Is like, look, people are recognizing you. 
doesn't mean that you should be shooting for a bigger star and, and move on to a different universe in this piece. Don't just settle for right here. Um, that's one of the benefits of the postseason accolades because you know maybe a kid doesn't feel that they have it and all of a sudden wait a minute you know my 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 peers or my co- my coach's peers have, have recognized my skill set or you're, you're hearing something you might otherwise not yeah, yeah. for sure and and you want to see that as a motivator uh, for a lot of these kids some of them are intrinsic driven and they want to see it and they already have aspirations to go play collegially um, but those kids that are right there that are like a diamond in the rough all of a sudden, if they can have like a little, little bit of that taste, hopefully they can kind of ride it out. Because there's opportunities out there. It's just a question of whether you're going to want that academic experience, and then you want a big versus a smaller school. Um, but I do believe if you're wanting to travel, and with throughout the country, you could probably find an opportunity for a lot of these guys that we're seeing. At what point did you think you wanted to be a coach? I, when I was at Towson, sitting behind a scholarship player. I was the, the backup, the number one, and um, you're traveling to all the games all over the the Mid Atlantic, over the East Coast, and so forth, and you're and, and you're there. So you had to, to engage myself and what was going on. You start watching the tactics of the game, uh, and you start seeing the technical side, um, and that helped me stay mentally focused. So if my um, colleague were to suffer an injury and I, like yeah you're up had, co- you're up jim you're, yeah, you're you in gotta there. go yeah um and it helped me from that perspective um and i enjoyed it It was a good way to continue giving back to the game um that definitely gave me opportunities from a collegiate perspective um it kept me motivated just like we always tell our high school kids and especially our at-risk kids we want them involved with things and if you're part of an extra extracurricular activity you're going to keep your grades up. You're going to pursue. You want to, to be able to have those opportunities down the road. So for me, the coaching side continued an opportunity to keep giving back to the game that gave me something. Um, and hopefully I can turn around and provide my student athletes the same kind of support. I mean, because as coaches, for a lot of us, we end up being like a second father you know, to these kids, especially if they um, have working parents, whether they're intact or single-family homes. It, I mean, it they still – aren't with their family as much as they sometimes are with us and they have different conversations with us than they have at home sometimes um so if i can use those experiences that i've had that's how i got into kind of going from the playing side into the coaching side were you ever thrown right into a game as the backup goalie did you ever have to go in spur of the moment because uh, your cause your uh, teammate went down i believe there was some times where there were some um potential issues with uh Head headshots per se. Um, now we're talking 25, 30 years ago where we're not as concussion oriented as we are now. Right. Um, so I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know there was times where we had to get stuff on quickly and get warmed up just in case if the trainer was going to pull the plug on Richie. Yeah. For sure. Right. Unfortunately, I suffered an injury. I put one of my colleagues in, in that oh, hopper. Geez, what was that? I fractured an arm. Um, How? Uh, going up for one of those balls in a crowd, yeah. got my legs clipped out, clipped out, and put my arm back to catch yourself, right? I, to catch myself, and it, it broke the ulna and radius, and I had to have plates put in. So my colleague was that the end of your soccer career? Or? That was the, it. Was the end of that season? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I don't know if I really mentally ever came back. From I was going to say, is that a tough thing to bounce back from? I mean, it, is it tough to get back up on the horse and, and and get back out on the field? It was a it was a challenge. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, the surgeries and stuff, 
Uh, but that's when I started kind of working with my game in the field. And I think that's when I was like, well, that's a lot more fun kicking <laughs> yes. that thing and putting balls in cage than it is right. trying to keep it out. Um, that was that was towards the end of the college life. Right. <laughs> Talking to Jim Regal, the uh, head coach of the Thomas Johnson boys soccer team, how did the opportunity at TJ sort of present itself uh, to, to be the coach? Well, I had been at TJ um, since I think it was like 08 when Sonny Joseph transferred over to Lingenor, took over the athletic director position, and I was replaced him. So we basically swapped phys ed roles. Um, and at that time, JP was with the boys program. I was coaching at the college level. Um, Where'd you coach? I was at McDaniel okay. for um, six seasons. And then prior to coming to Frederick County, I was with Gettysburg um, for three seasons. Great, great school. It's a beautiful, beautiful campus up oh, there. Yeah, great was, place to play all sports and play, play yeah. games and stuff. So. so it was a, it was a wonderful experience. Um, while I was finished up my, my certification and my master's, um, so I was able to work with them at Gettysburg. And then I was fortunate to be at Linganore in the early 2000s. Um, and then so I ended up at TJ. And I stepped down from coaching collegiately, having a family and so forth. And one of my buddies at Westminster roped me into uh, volunteer coaching. And um, JP had already been over at uh, Frederick High. And um, Coach Wally was working with the boys program at, at TJ. I've been doing the 3A West regional chair ever since Coach Mack stepped down, um, probably 2004. And so I was still involved with the high school game, and especially the region that oversees Washington, Frederick um, counties. So the the transition took place at, at TJ. I've been working at, at Westminster as a um, volunteer coach for two years. Administration knew it. We had two openings at, at TJ. Adam and I both came in at the same time with the girls and boys program. And um, it was just giving back to a school. I mean, it, 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 was, it was fun working with Birdie over at Westminster, but it also rekindled why we do what we do. And if I could have that relationship with kids I volunteer with out where I live, why can't I give back to the kids in the, in the school that I'm working with for 12 years at that time? Um, Did so, you realize what you were getting yourself into? <laughs> um, anytime you take on a high school program, you kind of know what you're getting into. You just never know the 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 intricate aspects of each school until you're into it. Um, but by being a teacher in the building for some time, I knew a lot of the kids, um, and at that time we hadn't had the the redistricting where our uh, English learners were going to be coming over to TJ now. Um, so it's been interesting being in the position, transitioning, and embracing that that culture coming in to TJ that wasn't here for the longest time. JP was working with that over at Frederick, and then with the numbers, and I think they dispersed to their particular high schools redistrict a little bit going back to their home school i think tuscor ourselves and frederick in particular are now balanced out a little bit more um, from that so right. that's been very uh, rewarding um to to work with that population yeah right and, now and as we talk about with all the coaches it's really a labor of love because you're not doing this to to, to get rich i mean no. the, 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 the time commitment the hours just the game planning. Uh, I mean, you're essentially a, a parent in, in some respects to a, a group, a big group of kids. No, I mean, you're I mean, a counselor. Yeah, yeah all, all that. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, there, 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 there's all kinds of issues that come up over the course of the season that you have to be ready to deal with. So and you, that's not even in the season. I mean, right. there's, there's eight months that they're out. Right. You know, and um, so, the, I mean, the full scope of the job is, is quite something. Well, that's why I think the administrative side of things and the athletic directors love having those of us that are teachers in the building 
That's and that's why the county prefers that too. Absolutely. I'm sure. um, right, yeah. I mean, it helps helps uh, police the kids, you know, in regards to we're a resource on a regular basis to help them. Um, and there's also less of a chance that someone's just going to up and quit saying, oh, I didn't realize it was all this and stuff like right. that. I mean, you're, you're showing, being in the school already, you're showing a commitment level to the kids. Right? Co- co- correct. I mean, there's always going to be things that pop up um, in, in, in our personal lives, our professional lives. But for the most part, when we make that commitment, um, we're looking at it like longer term. It's not a one or two year, three year process. It's, it's usually a five or more um, process in particular. For sure, right? What what is this group this season capable of? I mean, uh, I mean, I know everyone's goal is to to win states and go to states, but what sort of expectations have you um, laid out for laid out for these guys that might just not just hey, we want to win states? I mean, we've we yeah. I mean, as as a coach, um, you definitely want to um, capitalize on that state championship as your ultimate goal um, with the state level shifting us to a state quarterfinals instead of our traditional regional uh, concept. The state quarterfinals is something that's definitely something we're, we would love to see and achieve. Um, that first year I was at, at uh, TJ, and we were able to make it to the regional finals. Um, getting there motivates you, that taste, to get back again. Right. And you just hope the players that were involved with it want to get back there. And uh, Coach Gross and I talk about this all the time with his experience with baseball. Um, that first year or two, getting over to the state. He always gets to the state final. It seems it like, well, like there's like, that, that like journey. His team like sleepwalks through the season. And then they, <laughs> they always play their best in the playoffs and they make a run. I, and I think that's the benefit of the way the state of Maryland's sports are set up. Other than for football, the rest of us, I mean, as long as you're, you're working yourself and progressing perfectly up on that, that perfect golf drive, in my opinion, where you're just – you're kind of reaching that pinnacle at the right time, you, anything can happen. So as long as you're gelling going into the playoffs, you can do some some um, amazing things. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if you go winless in the regular season. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, but mentally it's you gonna you be don't, a challenge. You don't, you don't, you don't want to. <laughs> um, but if you you can come in and you've been gelling and you have a right right um, combination of competitions that gel the right way, maybe an upset here in your favor. Um, or your goalkeeper has that proverbial all-American performance that gets them their their moxie, um, or that that one player you're hoping to can break that scoring drought, or they haven't been able to score, and all of a sudden they start getting that that vibe going. So special things can occur, um, for sure. I mean, we'd love to to be able to be in a position to compete for uh, that CMC title, for sure. I mean, that's a that's a small goal that leads you towards the big picture. Um, Love to be able to get to the state quarterfinal, and if not the state semifinal, because again, this is a new format this year. They're re- they're reseeding everybody top to bottom um, when they get to the state quarterfinals. So your top winning percentage is going to be one, your lowest is going to be eight, and then it's predetermined. One's playing eight, two is playing seven. The winner of uh, three six play each other in four five. So your one eight four five are already tracked, whereas in the past it's been this. this arbitrary decision of it's going to be the north playing west and then the east playing south and then next year it could be changed around a little bit so you don't know it might be now theoretically your best winning percentages should be filtering their way to the, to the championship game so it'd be very interesting to see how that pans out right uh jim regal uh, tj boys soccer coach I, I know you're on your way to westminster right now well, what do you got going on there <laughs> 
Uh, another uh, U9 team working with uh, my boys' team. Um, so you can't get enough of this uh, coaching stuff. Well, I can get enough of it. Yeah. But <laughs> you love it. You love it. Um, yeah. If you're willing to give it to other people's kids, you got to give it to your own kids. So, right. like, I got U9 tonight, and then we have a U6 t- game tomorrow at 9 o'clock in the morning, and then we have a U9 game tomorrow at noon. There are no such thing as weekends. When, uh, when, <laughs> Sunday. When, when Sunday's rest day. Coach. Okay. <laughs> on, on the seventh day, uh, they rested. So... Um, well, hey, Coach, uh, thanks for coming in. appreciate all your time here, and it's, it's been fun chatting with you. So. I appreciate your time uh, and extending the offer to come over and talk about the boys. Yeah. Uh, my thanks also uh, to Graham Cullen for producing the podcast here and uh, for all of you for tuning in. Uh, I'm Greg Swatek of the Frederick News Post Sports Department, and we will see you back here next week on the Final Score Podcast.